All right, let's dive into the word. Matthew 16, 13 through 18. Let me read this to you. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. There is a message within the message there from Jesus. As Jesus engages and Peter pipes up and gives Jesus an answer and Jesus looks at him and says, you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. What he's really saying to Peter is this, because he's preparing to build the move of God filled with the spirit to live and do the things of Jesus, right? At the book of Acts, that's what the church is. We are people filled with the spirit of God, empowered to live and do the things of Jesus to transform culture right? So he's preparing to launch this movement of the church. And he asks him, who do you think that I am? And he says, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And here's what he says to Peter. He says, Peter, for you to go beyond yourself, you have to go deeper than yourself. He's saying, listen, Peter, if you want to be a part of this move that's going to happen, that's going to change the world, if you want to go beyond yourself, you have to be willing to go deeper than yourself. That's our message today. I know we wrapped up uh, theology for everyone, and I was asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want us to talk about? And over and over and over, he kept bringing me back to, we're recording a live worship album, we're creating offerings for the kingdom of heaven, but in doing all of that, if we're going to go beyond ourselves, we have to be deeper than ourselves. How many of you like inflatables? You know what I'm talking about? Jump jumps, bounce houses. How many are terrified of them? You're like Reese Witherspoon on Four Christmases. You just, you hate them. You're terrified. You don't want to be around them, right? My kids love them. We rent them for every birthday party that we have, but I've got PTSD when it comes to inflatables. There was this time where my middle school was hosting a festival for us. And within that festival, we had uh, all of these inflatables everywhere. And it was just, it was an incredible time. We had a ton of fun. And then all of a sudden, the festival was over. And all the teachers were saying, okay, line up, classes line up. The festival's over. They killed all the blowers that were to the inflatables. But the inflatables stayed inflated, right? You've seen that. They shut the blower off, but the thing doesn't collapse right away. It kind of stayed structured. So we're all lining up, and I thought it would be really funny. I was this kid. I, I know you don't. I know you don't believe it, right? I know you believe I was a good Christian boy that was leading Bible studies in middle school. But uh, the teachers are saying, "Line up, everybody, line up!" And I was like, "Hey guys, watch this!" And they're like, "What? What? what? My whole class is watching me." And I took off running and did a pencil nosedive into this inflatable. Now, this was in our high school gymnasium on hardwood floors. You, you know the sound, right? 
You've heard when somebody crashes into hardwood floors, right? I mean, I took off, dove up. I thought it was so funny, led with my head. That's still what's wrong with me today. And you could hear the smash when I hit the ground. And I mean, I was Tweety Bird. I was, I had no idea what had happened. I got up like 10 seconds later and I could hear all my classmates. They were like, Oh, and I was thinking to myself, how did that happen? I'll tell you how. It may look inflated, but if there's nothing filling it up, truly it's just nothing. We have to understand this about ourselves. If we don't have something filling us up, we may be inflated on the outside. But if we're not deeper than ourselves, we can't go beyond ourselves. That's what Jesus is saying to Peter when he communicates. He's saying, Peter, listen, if you're going to change the world, you're going to be a part of the church, you're going to make an impact. If you're going to go beyond yourself, you have to go deeper than yourself. Something has to be filling you up. Or you're just nose diving into the ground. Listen to it, Matthew 16, verse 18. He says to them, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Peter is the name Jesus gives to Simon in John 1, verse 42. It says, Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Cephas is the Aramaic translation of the Greek word Petros, P-E-T-R-O-S, and it means rock. But in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus uses a different word when he's referring to building the church on the rock. So in Matthew chapter 16, he uses the word Petra, which means bedrock or a foundation. It sounds similar to Petros, but the difference in Petros and Petra is this. One of them is a small pebble. The other one is a bedrock. The other one is a foundation that something's built upon, okay? Matthew 7, 24 through 25, Jesus uses the same word again. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on Petra. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on the Petra. In other words, here is what Jesus is saying to Peter. Peter. You are a small pebble, and that small pebble will go on a bedrock to be the foundation of the church. In other words, he's saying, Peter, this thing is not built upon you. One of the things we have to understand is the church is not built upon us, right? It's not built upon us. We are living stones placed on a bedrock, and that bedrock together on the foundation of Jesus becomes who we are. So the question then is, what is the bedrock? What is the foundation of the church? I promise you, I'm going to take you back to Peter himself declaring this. Matthew 16, 13 through 17. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist and some say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And here is Peter's confession. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any 
human being. The bedrock is Jesus. So he's saying to Peter, Peter, you can be a small rock on the foundation, but you have to understand the bedrock of this whole thing is Jesus. This is really important because we live in a culture that tells us our life should be all about us. My life should be about my feelings, my lusts, my desires, my wants, my needs, which become my truth, and I live out of my truth, which is all about me. That's a recipe for disaster. I don't want to live by me. I need to live by someone deeper than me. I don't want to live by my feelings. I want to live by the one who can change my feelings. I don't want to live for my lusts. I want to live for the one who can overcome my lusts. I don't want to become my own truth. I want the truth. I want the truth that is deeper than me. That's the message here, and it's the message for us. If we are going to go beyond and become who God has called us to be, we have to become deeper than ourselves. Let's play this bedrock out through Scripture. Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need, whoever believes need never be shaken. Psalm 118, 22 said the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Acts 4, 11, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.20-22. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him... You Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. We get it, right? So the foundation that Jesus is laying is this. Peter, you are a small stone, and on this small stone, I'm going to become a bedrock, and you will be part of building the church. Peter goes from receiving the message to preaching the message. Listen to him in 1 Peter 2, 4 through 8. He says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And we are living stones that God is building into spiritual temples. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. We are, in other words, did you see what he said to you? We're not, we offer, we are a spiritual house and we offer sacrifices that please God. So Peter takes us full circle to, here is the message I receive. The church will be built on Jesus and I will be a living stone. And as a living stone, I'm going to offer spiritual sacrifices. What are these spiritual sacrifices? This is full circle for us to become the people that God has called us to be, built on the foundation of Christ. We become living stones filled with the Spirit, giving spiritual sacrifices to God. I'm going to give you three of them and we're going to wrap this thing up, okay? Number one is this. The first spiritual sacrifice that we offer is our physical bodies. 
The first spiritual sacrifice that we have to offer is our physical bodies. Romans 12 once says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Romans 6.13 says, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Think about that again. Let me read it again. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. He is saying the first thing we do is living stones built on the foundation of Jesus is we offer our bodies as sacrifices unto the Lord. We do everything that the Bible says to do. We do nothing that the Bible forbids. And if we got a problem with it, the problem's with me, not with the Bible. We do what God says to do. We don't do what God says not to do. And if I got a problem with any of it, the problem's me. The problem is not him. He's the creator, and he's the one who orchestrated it. I, I say this often, it, it somewhat, I'm not being harsh here. I'm not trying to hammer on you, but just, just receive this. At some point, we have to get better than just living one notch above sin. Hear me, we, we have to become better than just living one notch above sin for the week, right? Fellas, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be harsh, but the, the goal is not to walk around and say, wow, I, I really did it. I, I didn't look at pornography this week. Like, that's a great starting point, but 15 years in of walking with Jesus, that's not the goal. The goal is I have become a vessel where the Holy Spirit can dwell and I'm walking with him and I'm living in freedom and I'm able to minister to another man who is facing that temptation and I can receive the phone call and I can meet him in his moment of weakness and I can pray for him and I can encourage him and I can lead him to freedom because I'm walking in freedom myself. I have become a place where the Holy Spirit can dwell and I'm being conformed into who Christ is. I'm all for it. Listen, I, I, if you're in here and you're like, this is my first time in church, okay, great. That is your first goal, right? Quit looking at porn, quit doing things you shouldn't be doing, quit sinning, and, and we'll all champion it together. But if you're in here and you've been walking with Jesus for 20 years, that's not the goal. The goal is holiness. The goal is being a vessel where the Holy Spirit can dwell to move in power through your life. You are hosting him. I don't know if it's just me, but fellas, is your house like, anytime someone comes over to my house, and I mean anytime, the place has to be spotless. Come on, am I the only one? Guys, am I, the, thank you. I'm like, what's the point? What is going on? Literally, we will be chilling on a Saturday with nothing going on. We're all in gym clothes, hanging out. There's dishes in the sink. There's leftover pizza on the counter that the kids are still working on. And Anna gets a text that Kelsey's coming over to pick something up. She's like, oh my gosh, Kelsey's on her way. Get up now. I'm like, why? Why? You know? She's like, tell the kids to get the laundry out of here. Fluff the pillows. She's like, we Get rid of the dishes. I am literally shoving like half-eaten bowls of ice cream into drawers and stuff. I'm just trying to, 
pick everything up, clean it all up. And she's like, she's almost here. You're, she's in the dining room. She's like literally putting out centerpieces and throwing Amazon boxes in the garage. I'm like, what are we doing? This is crazy. And then the door, there's a knock on the door and she answers. She's like, hey girl. I'm like, the devil's a liar. It's like, oh, we've just been chilling out all day, hanging out. Normal Saturday, I'm sweating, I'm worn out, I'm out of breath. Kids are all mad and upset because the games got shut off and they had work to do. And it's like, why do we do? But it's, it is, it's with everything. I can, I'm like, hey, Anna, I got a friend coming by to grab something out of the garage. Well, you need to clean the bathroom first. <laughs> I'm like, why? He's like, well, what if he wants to come in and go to the bathroom? I'll tell him to go outside by the house. I don't know, but like... This is crazy, right? But imagine if we took hosting the Holy Spirit the same way. Imagine if you woke up and when you woke up, the, the number one priority was to become the vessel that could be hosted the Holy, hosting the Holy Spirit. If you all of a sudden, man, I gotta clean myself up, I've gotta meet with Jesus, I gotta have my mind right, I gotta have my heart right, I gotta be filled with worship, I gotta be filled with praise because I am hosting the Holy Spirit today. And this is an important day for me. That's the hosting that we have. When Peter says we are built on the foundation of Jesus to become living stones filled with the Spirit of God and the spiritual sacrifices that we make, one is the sacrifice of our physical bodies. This is what he's saying. He's saying don't take for granted who you are hosting. Don't take for granted who you're welcoming into your life. Number two, prayer. I love this. The, the Old Testament offering of incense becomes the New Testament equivalent to prayer. This is so cool. Exodus 37 through 8 says, Every morning when Aaron maintains the lamps, he must burn fragrant incense on the altar. And each evening when he lights the lamps, he must again burn incense in the Lord's presence. This must be done from generation to generation. The incense offering becomes synonymous with prayer. Watch this. Psalm 141, verse 2. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you. When we sing that song, you're worthy of it all. And we sing day and night, night and day, let incense arise. You know, when we uh, look, I'm not Brie, okay? Just give me a break, right? But when we sing that song, it's what we're singing. We're saying day and night, let our incense rise. Let prayers rise from our spirit. Revelation 5.8. Listen to this imagery. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. They are literally before the lamb, holding our prayers before him, hosting our prayers right in front of him as incense burn. So do our prayers lift to him. Revelation 8, 3 through 4. Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar and gave a great amount of incense where it was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. 
In other words, the incense, the spiritual sacrifice that we make of prayer, it is collected, it is hosted before God and before the elders, and it is received by him himself. You know, I don't think we'll ever understand the power of prayer until we're in eternity. I don't know that we will ever wrap our minds around the power of prayer until we're in eternity with the Father and we can see the results of it. Because if if you want to see it in the natural, it has to start in the supernatural. There are things that God has done here that could have only happened by prayer, because of prayer. And I just don't think we realize who we're talking to sometimes. Anybody ever done the reply all on, on accident? Supposed to forward and instead you hit reply all. Man, I, 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 I'm haunted by this, right? I wasn't even here. It wasn't this church. So the Karen that I'm talking about is not in this room, okay? But I, I got a complaint via email, right? Uh, some woman who was upset about something. And I, I, I got the email and I forwarded it to somebody who worked for me. And I said something along the lines of, I'm not a huge fan, this is stupid, respond with grace, we'll figure it out. They're just being something or something again, right? And so, (laughs) forwarded the email. And when I clicked send, and it said reply sent, I was like, oh dear Jesus, no. (laughs) No way that just happened. Right, and I and I, I go back to my sent folder, right, and it's her email on there. I was like, oh my gosh. So I call, I instantly, I call her. And I was like, hey, I'll just call her Karen because after all, you know, fits, right? She fits where it. So I was like, uh, hey, Karen, I just want to let you know, um, you're going you're gonna to be getting an email from me. She said, I already got the email and I'm already calling the executive pastor and I'm going to tell it. And I was like, oh, shoot. All right. I'm super sorry about this. God bless you, you know. So I get called into the executive pastor's office and I sit down with him. And he looks at me and he's, you know, kind of like half smiling. <clears throat> he's kind of like half smiling, half like, okay, I have to do something about this. So he asked me, he said, uh, how would you have responded to that email if you knew that she was getting it? And I said, well, I probably would have, you know, said things a little differently. I probably would have been gracious and kind and merciful and said what needed to be. And he said, the next time you go to send an email, that's the only thing you should say. In other words, you shouldn't talk some way to somebody else about somebody and then talk differently to them, right? Karen or not, you shouldn't do it. When we realize who we're talking to, it changes the conversation. When we realize we're having a conversation with the God of the universe, can I tell you something? There is nobody in this room that can help you more than God can through prayer. Nobody. Your help is not in this room. Your help is there. We are just vessels that just serve and support, but your help is through prayer. It's the second spiritual sacrifice. The third one, and we'll end here. Maybe my favorite is praise. The spiritual sacrifice of praise. What does it look like to offer the spiritual sacrifice of praise? Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Psalm 107, 21 through 22 says, Let them praise the Lord for his great love, 
and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. Listen to Psalm 116, 17 through 19. I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the house of the Lord, in the heart of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Listen to the author of Hebrews. Listen to the author of the Psalms. When they talk about giving praise, they use the term sacrifice. I love this with David, 2 Samuel 24, 24. But the king, David is preparing to give God an offering. And King Arana comes to him and says, no, I insist on buying it. For I will, he tries to give him the offering for free, okay? So he's like, David, I know you're gonna make an offering. Let me give you the offering for free. Listen to what David says. No, I insist on buying it. For I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. In other words, he says, I will not give God something that cost me nothing. Is it praise if it doesn't have a price? Is it praise if there's not a price attached to it? Sometimes I don't think the greatest praise has come from times of celebration. Sometimes I think the greatest praises come from a place of deep sacrifice. When nothing is going right, nothing is working out, the promotion didn't happen, the healing hasn't come, they didn't pick up the phone, the opportunity didn't present itself, the car won't start, the, the dogs are out, and everything's falling apart, can you still praise God? Can you still give him worship? In other words, can you move your praise past only when you're satisfied to a place of sacrifice and be willing to give that praise forever. Can you, can you celebrate? Can you go through a miscarriage and celebrate the gender reveal of your friend at the same time? Can you get laid off from a job and celebrate your friend's promotion at the same time? Can you go through a devastating divorce and still be a part of your coworker's bridal party? Can you see somebody win when you feel like you're losing and still praise and still worship? It is the sacrifice of praise when we talk about the, and let me tell you, the deepest freedom in your worship will come when you can praise when it hurts. When you can worship when it hurts, when you can give glory when it hurts. I'll tell you a, a story. Again, I'm just kind of embarrassing myself today, so I might as well keep it going, right? Um, when we were first going to start the church, uh, and we hadn't even launched yet, right? Um, I, there's this pastor that I'm friends with, um, <clears throat> friends from afar. He pastors one of the largest churches in Houston, and there's a lot of big churches in Houston. Uh, and he, he reached out to me, called me, and he knew we were planting a church here in Huntsville, and we had a couple mentor sessions and conversations and just super gracious, kind man. And then he called me, 
and he said, hey, uh, I want to talk to you. And when he calls, I answer the phone. I was like, man, talk, talk to me all you want. I can't wait to talk to you. And he said, well, hey, um, he said, my son-in-law is going to plant a church. And, you know, he's married to my daughter, and we're super excited about it. And so I, I'm going to support him, and we're going to put a lot of firepower behind him. And I was like, great. Praise God. How can I help? And he said, well, he said, uh, they're, they're thinking about planting in Huntsville, Texas. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> no, I, I, was, I was like, oh, you do that Christian Southern, like, oh, praise God, right? <laughs> so excited for him. That sounds great. My flesh was so mad. My flesh was so upset. I hung up that phone. The first thing I did was Google him. I was like, I could beat this guy in a fight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It was funny, too, because on the phone, he's, like, he's talking to me, and he's like, you know, I, I told him, I, I knew you were planting a church there, and he wanted to plant there, and you guys would be very similar as a church, and I, I just don't know if the town's big enough to have uh, both churches like that, so he's, he's going to plant there. I'm like, what are you talking about, killing me? Like, you hit me before I begin? What's happening here, right? <clears throat> So I Google him, and I'm listening to his sermons, and I'm just critical. And, oh, theology's off. You know, just, just immature, fleshly stuff until I remember I, I prayed for months for God to move them. I was like, God, send them to Canada. No offense, Bree. But I was like, Get, make them somewhere, right? Alaska. Send them to Alaska. Send them somewhere else, right? And I'll never forget this moment God said to me, why don't you quit praying against me and start praying for me? Oh, and it hurt. It was so hard. I remember my flesh wanted nothing to do with that. And I would get on my knees and I would pray for them. I'd pray for God to bless them. I'd pray for God to bless their future church. I'd pray for God to bless their family. I saw a picture of their kids on Instagram, and I was like, well, bless their kids too, you know? I just, I just prayed for them, and I prayed over them, and I got to this place where every time, my prayer time was just this time of breaking my pride so that I could praise at a time I didn't want to praise. And over and over, I prayed for them. And then the Lord spoke to my heart, give them 500 bucks. Nope, not the one. <laughs> That's not you, Lord. And so over, the Lord spoke to me, so 500 bucks into this. No, I don't want to, right? So 500, and I mean, it was over and over. And finally, I remember uh, I logged on to the church website and I gave that 500 bucks and it stung, made me mad. And yet I'm still praying and I'm still praising and I'm still rejoicing. And then I remember uh, seeing on Instagram, you know, that life update post in all caps with emojis everywhere. I'm like, oh, great. You know, here's the life update, right? And it was like, life update. And it had a church logo on it. And it had this story of like, we believe God's going to do all these great things. And we're so excited about it. And we can't wait to see it. And then at the very end, it said, and you will not believe this, but about a month ago. I was like, well, about a month ago, I gave you 500 bucks, right? Like, <laughs> about a month ago. God did a total redirection in our lives. And he, he, out of nowhere, called us to a different city. We went to a different, yeah, I mean, you can. I'll appreciate the applause. I feel good about it, right? <laughs> but here's, here's why I tell you that story. The, the victory was not them going somewhere else or, or them coming here. And do I believe God changed their mind because I gave them 500 bucks? I don't know, maybe, you know, but here's what I learned. I learned to praise when I didn't want to. I learned to pray when I didn't want to. I learned to worship when I didn't want to. 
I learned to celebrate things that went right against my flesh. I learned to celebrate things that hurt my pride. And through that, those moments of praise, here's what I realized. The sacrifice of praise will take you better than the celebration. Giving that sacrifice unto God that, Lord, I don't want to, I don't care to, I don't feel like it, I don't need to, but I praise you. I just worship you. We are living stones built on the bedrock of Jesus Christ, and we offer our physical bodies to him. We offer our prayer to him, and we offer our praise to him. And when we do that, we go from here to changing out there.